I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. Hello and welcome to The Best in the World with Richard Parr, where I speak to Olympic champions, world champions, world record holders and world number ones to find out what they do to become the very best. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you all had a wonderful day and are looking forward to the new year. Have you thought about your New Year's resolutions? Of course, we love goal setting on this program, so I hope you have written down your goals for the new year and try and keep with them however hard it might be. Try and set maybe a few short-term goals and also some longer-term goals. Don't just decide to do something for the whole year or don't just decide to do something forever. Try and make these incremental goals because that's what the greatest sports stars on the planet do, as we have learnt from the previous 96 episodes of The Best in the World with Richard Parr. On episode 97, I speak to Christine Lilly. Christine Lilly has been capped more times than anyone in football, man or woman. Christine played for the United States 354 times, scoring 130 goals. She won two Olympic gold medals and two World Cups. Wow, what a career. And it was an absolute pleasure to speak to Christine on this week's Best in the World with Richard Parr. We talked many things about her career, including how she made her debut for the national team at a very young age of 16. And she talks about how she coped with being at school and also playing. Talks about the longevity of her career, how she thinks she was able to manage to have a career as long as she did. Talks about her teammates, the players who were her mentors and the players she got on best with on the pitch. And we also talk about what she's up to now as a coach and as a mother. A really great chat this week with Christine Lilly on The Best in the World. You know what, let's get straight to it. On this week's Best in the World with Richard Parr, it's Christine Lilly. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Christine Lilly, welcome to The Best in the World with Richard Parr, an Olympic champion, a World Cup winner. So great to have you on the program. Of course, you retired a few years ago now. So let's start this chat by finding out what you're up to at the moment, please. (laughs) <laughs> what am I up to? Um, well, thanks for having me, first off. Um, it's nice to be on the show. 
And I mean, I gra- I graduated. I retired in two thousand. This January, December, January of two thousand eleven, and had a kid after that. And then I was um, I do a lot of teaching lessons for kids, clinics, private lessons. I was coaching for the past three years. One of the assistants at University of Texas, and then I currently just moved back to the Boston area where we I lived prior to that. And now, um, hopefully, still working with kids, doing lessons, and uh, kind of see where life will take me at this point. Oh, exciting. Um, it's always good to kind of give back. And is there anything that you teach the kids now that you wish you knew when you were playing? Um, <clears throat> I think just more technical work than than we did. Um, the game has just grown so much. I think the knowledge of the coaches is better. I mean, when I was playing, it was dad that, was, that were coaching me and they had no idea about soccer. <laughs> Um, so I think that's, what's a little bit different for the kids these days. They're, they're all pretty much most of their coaches, if they're at a club level, know, have played the game or, uh, know the game. So that definitely helps the kids. And for me, all I want my, the kids I teach is to feel good about themselves and confident. Cause I think a lot of the confidence, uh, goes up and down in the game. And if you can find being more confident, finding ways to get back to your confidence, that really helps players grow. Mm. Were you always confident throughout your career? Um, no, I mean, for the most part, yeah, but there's ebb and flow. I mean, I think when I got later in my career, the confidence, which is ironic, you think after you've been playing so long, um, after I had my first child and came back, I wasn't playing game for the year. So, of course, you're not feeling like, oh, overly confident. So there's a little ebb and flow there. Um, but then once you start to play a little bit and, and get the comfort again and support from your teammates, um, it comes back. Mm. Um, I just want to talk about the, the coaching as well, finally. Just um, when you are teaching young players, what are some of the attributes that they show that you can tell they're going to be really good? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I was just I'm coaching these two girls. I have been coaching for like on and off for five years and I don't mean every day this is like sporadic but I started when the youngest one was like like 10 and she was really athletic and really could had a really good touch on the ball and then she's grown up a little bit and then has to get readjusted to her longer legs her Hmm. her body so still she still is a, a good soccer player but it not as apparent as when she was 10. Mm. not saying that she's not going to be but so I think it's hard to tell when kids when they're younger and they have the natural ability you can see it but then it depends on how they grow and how they handle it because mm. um, I think especially on guys side I mean I think the guys grow from 14 to 18 is an incredible growth process and I think for girls too so I think um, you just have to see how they're going to keep growing and what they're going to do with their uh, per se God-given talent that you see at a young age Mm. And of course, you are renowned for playing for the national team from about the age of 15, really, really young. When did you first start playing the sport, Christine? Uh, I started playing when I was about six years old. And um, my brother played soccer, so I wanted to do what he did. <laughs> and I played just for our town team. You wake up at 8 o'clock on Saturday mornings and go play a game. My team color was light blue. Um, and you named your team. I don't remember what our name was. Uh, and I just love to be out the, outside playing, and, and we got oranges at halftime. And not, to be honest, I love the oranges at halftime. 
I, I read that on your uh, on your website. Yeah. I think you had thirteen things about your career or, or something like that. Yes, and yes. The, the number one was the oranges. I used to love the oranges at halftime. Oh, I'm, I'm, fabulous. I'm with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think they actually? Uh, you know, there's so much now about nutrition and everything like that. Do they actually help? Do you think, or are they just um, tasty? I think they're just tasty, and who knows? I mean, some of the shirt and the natural sugars in it. I mean could help but it's something light on your stomach so kids but I think it was just something I don't know why it started but it's a great thing I can remember being on the national team and it was probably like five or six years in on the on the national team and we were in China and they had orange slices I was like oh my god this is great (laughs) Uh, um but yeah I mean I, I I don't think they hurt you (laughs) that's for sure so i'm imagining with your with your coaching right now you're always bringing a big cooler of uh, sliced oranges i'm trying to my kids uh, one 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 of my kids likes it one doesn't so i'm like come on now (laughs) (laughs) oh no uh, amazing and so as you're growing up when when did it become more than a just playing in the morning and, and eating oranges when did you start to realize that oh i'm actually quite good at this um, well, you know, when I went to, when I went to high school, I, uh, from second to eighth grade, so probably about eight, nine years old till about 13, I played with the boys and I was the only girl on the team. So I kind of knew I could hang with the boys. I mean, still at that age, you, you're pretty, you're pretty equal if you're all kind of at the same level. Um, uh, then I went to high school and I couldn't play with the boys cause they had a girls team. So I played varsity, we call it varsity in our, in America and I was just a lot better than a lot of the girls. Um, so I think I was like, wow, all right, um, this is pretty good. And then I made the national team when I was a junior in high school. And then I was like, oh, all right, well, this is cool. But then the thing for me, it was cool. I was on the, got asked to join the team, and then I was surrounded by all these great players. I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing here? <laughs> So it was kind of, uh, I was like, wow, they're, um, and I was good in high school, but look at these players too. So that was kind of a moment where I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Was it intimidating in any way? It, uh, it was, yeah, because I was 16 and, and some of these girls were 21, 23. And when you're 16 and players are 23, you're thinking they're really old. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you're like, gosh, they're in college. Yeah. Um, so it was a little intimidating. Um, but the cool thing was when you stepped on the field, they tore you up. And then when you stepped off the field, they're like, Hey, how are you doing? Mm. You know, what, what, you, you know, finding information about you being there, um, and helping you along. So, um, it was, I was nerve, I was nervous the entire, my first trip, um, so nervous, and I think the nerves probably stayed in there for a couple of years until mm. I got my feet a little bit more wet. Mm. You say when you got your feet a little bit more wet, did yeah. you then start to get a process of coping with nerves at all, or was it just more just experience? I think it's more experience at that time. It was more I was starting to play in games. Um, I, my first game I played, I did score a goal. And I think after I scored that first goal, I was like, Oh, okay, maybe I can handle this. <laughs> you know, anytime you score, I mean, this is attacking players, defenders. I don't know what they feel when they step out there, but anytime an attacking player, if you get a goal under your belt, you're like, all right. Yeah. Uh, so I felt, I felt pretty good about that. And that was my first, um, I think my first or second game in. And then I was like, all right, I didn't settle my morals at all. 
but I was like, okay. And then just, just experience. And even, I mean, I remember 87 and then the world cup was in 91 and 91, I was still a young player on the team. Mm. Um, so you still have, you know, the, the veterans and the older girls around you that you're learning from and, and watching and taking orders from and making sure (laughs) that you're doing all right. Was there any one player in particular who took you under their wing? Uh, yeah, actually, there, I mean, there was a few, but Karen Gabera, who was Karen Jennings at the time, um, she became like my big sister. Our coach at the time, Anson Dorrance, had matched. There was me, Julie Fowdy, Mia Hamm, and Joy Fawcett were the four young players that joined the team. And he kind of matched uh, each person up with an older player, per se, to say, oh, here's your your big sis, little sis thing. And Karen Jennings Gabera was mine and couldn't have been more perfect person for me. Mm. Um, she was, she was great, really helped me. And I watched, I played right behind her on the field. So I watched her tear defenders apart and I was like, Oh my gosh, this girl is unbelievable. The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. More from Christine in just a moment. And normally I spend this moment to tell you about a product or service that I personally use, or even if you want to support our Patreon page. And I don't want to do that today because you've all spent enough money buying gifts for your loved ones over the Christmas period. I know how much of an expensive time of year it is, but what you could do for me, which would be really, really great if you do want to give back in some way to this show, is just to show some love on. On social media. Follow my Twitter page at Richard underscore par or the Sportaccino page at Sportaccino. And the same on Facebook. We've got a Sportaccino Facebook page. There's a Richard Parr Facebook page. There's also a Best in the World with Richard Parr Facebook page. In fact, that last one's probably the most important. So if you do one thing, please go and like that page. And if there's any episodes that you really enjoy on our podcast, please share them. Please tell people about this show so we can continue to make it grow. I didn't mean to rhyme there, but it actually did. Anyway, let's return to the conversation with the World Cup and Olympic champion footballer. It's Christine Lilly. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Recently on this podcast, I spoke to the Olympic swimming champion, Brooke Bennett, and she won Olympic gold when she was 16 years old. And similar situation for you of being 16, playing for the national team, scoring for the national team. What was it like then to go back to high school? It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It was so great. I mean, I look, I think back going from the national team back to high school and I wasn't traveling as much Back then, I mean, we, we weren't as busy as the national team is now. So I think I had two or three trips the whole time I was in high school for my junior year and senior year. Um, but I couldn't get wait, I couldn't wait to get back to my friends. I couldn't wait to get back to the field and, and feel comfortable again. Um, I didn't have as many nerves in high school because you know, I was pretty confident in that, that level of play. So it was a really good ebb and flow for me to go up with the, senior, the women's team and be at a different level and then come back and be like, Oh, I can take a deep breath now and I can just play and relax a little bit. Hmm. So I really, I really loved it. And a lot of, I mean, I have two of my best friends still are from high school. So the fact, um, I had their support 
and uh, it was great. And to come back to all my friends and all the gossip of high school. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And you obviously played in some amazing teams. And we'll, we'll ask you a bit more in detail about Olympic Games and, and, and World Cups shortly. But uh, one of the rowers I've spoken to on this program, uh, Ben Hunt Davis, he was saying how on a rowing team, you don't have to get on um, to be successful. Does that work the same for football? Did you find a correlation of the teams where you got on better personally, that you performed better, or doesn't it really matter? Well, I personally think it matters. Um, and I, I, what kind of rowing was he? A two-man one, or what was a, he rowing? Eight-man. He won the Olympic eight, really? gold in Sydney in 2000. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. For, for me, um, I think it totally matters. Um, and maybe it's a more female compared to male thing. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, but when I think about to our most successful teams, I mean, 96 and 99 come to mind pretty close and, and Oh four, um, all those teams were pretty close and, and maybe I'm coming from a different perspective because a lot of those girls I played with for 17 years, <clears throat> mm. you know, we were, we grew up together. Um, but I would say for the most part, the core of, the team I mean he didn't get along with everyone didn't get along he wasn't roses the whole time um but you respected each other and I think maybe that's a better way to look at it we thought we had respect for each other whether we were friendly off the field as much or not um we did respect each other and I think if you have that that respect then you can um accomplish great things and mm -hmm. we had that in those in those good teams along with good chemistry and and we had a lot of fun were there any players in particular who you just loved playing with and, and felt you almost had like a, a a telepathic connection with when you were playing? Yeah, I mean, I mean, me and I, <clears throat> we we joined the team at the same time and Julie Foudy, but me and I especially, I mean, we played each other with each other at college and on the national team. And, and there would be a lot of times when <clears throat> I'd get the ball and she'd already start moving and I would know where she's going. Um and we did have that kind of um, ability to to read each other. But I think that's due to playing together for so long. Um, you know, Julie Fadi, I could read, you know. Um, and they're just through time. But I would say Mia is really one of them that we kind of we knew where she was. Or even later on, um, Michelle Akers, I mean, if I always had the ball on the outside, I knew Michelle was going to be in that box and I just needed a flight up there and she had it, had it in for me. Mm. Um, so I think um, due time, you, you had players, but Mia was probably one of the the ones that we were, really worked well together. And you and Mia scored so many goals. I believe you got 130 international goals. Do you have a favorite? I, I do actually. Well, I remember my first one, so that that I have to say when I was young on that team, it was a it was kind of a, a volley, bouncing ball volley, um, and my Karen Gabero, you know, set it up for me, and then. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the World Cup in 2003, we were playing Sweden in the opening game. And Mia, funny, I was just with Mia a little while ago. We were just talking about this goal. And uh, <clears throat> it was a ball... Uh, it, ball from Mia, someone played it into her. Abby, Abby played it into her, and she was probably about between the 12 and the 18. And I was coming up the left side. She was probably on the right side of the goal, and Abby played to her. She kind of flicked it, laid it back to me, and I just nailed it. And, and when I hit it, I was like, that's going in. <laughs> um, so I remember that pretty well. And the great thing about that goal is we had just we were practicing that in practice the day before. Mm. Now, you, you mentioned 96, 99, 2004. You also won in 91. Was there a favourite victory there? Was there, a, was there a World Cup or an Olympic crown which matters the most to you? Um, well, 99. I mean, you can't really ever shy away from that one. Um, and I think for us, it was a bigger project because we were promoting the World Cup for 18 months. You know, we got the bid for it and then we... Uh, as a team and a, a country and the organizing staff just went on this big promotion to make sure we were filling the seats. And we had no idea that that was going to happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we were hopeful and we did all this work to try to make it happen. So after getting to the final or winning the semis and getting to the final and selling out every game we played in, we were like, Oh my gosh, we just did something incredible. And then now we're like, okay, now we just got to win. <laughs> so winning really, really, winning was our for us. And then everything else was making sure those fans were there. Uh, so that was pretty special. And then 04 was the last um, Olympics um, with Julie, Joy, and Mia. That was our last um, big event. And that was pretty special because they were, everyone was kind of counting us out. We were older. Um, and saying, oh, they're too old, it's la, la, la. Mm. Uh, but we end up pulling that off, and I remember being on the field, I'm like, oh, I don't want this moment to end. Because <laughs> I knew it would be the last of those guys. Um, was the 99 final the one where you cleared the ball off the line in extra time? Yes. Uh, so I can, I can see why that, that <laughs> game matters even more to you. Uh, yeah, I happened to be, I mean, doing what I was supposed to do. Oh, I gotta <laughs> say, it was, it was great. 
What about Sydney 2000 going in yeah. as the uh, the world champions, losing to Norway in the final? Uh, how was that experience? You know, that was one of the most painful games of my life. Um, just really a heartbreaker because the 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 whole big picture with it is we played. We, in the first half, we had so many chances, so many chances. Um, and we should have been up on them. But like the game of soccer, it doesn't always happen. Mm. Um, and Norway is a good team, a really good team. And uh, they uh, went into, oh, we tied it up with, I mean, second, I mean, minutes left in the game uh, to push it to overtime. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, we're going we're gonna to win this thing. And then uh, overtime comes, and you know back then it was golden goal, which I really like, but not being on the losing side of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and they, you know, they scored, and I, I was standing. Um, I was looking back towards our defender, who was trying to clear a ball that their attacking players were going on, Dogney Milgram, who I ended up playing with in the pro league. She was on my Boston team. And so I was looking back, and as the ball went down to her foot and took a shot, I could see the ball going in before I was in, and my heart just broke. Mm. Um, so it was pretty. It was a pretty devastating loss, I have to say, and one that we didn't forget. Um, and then you know came back at the next Olympics to win gold. Mm. Was there anything you learned from that defeat, or was it just one of those things, and you just had to kind of get get past it? Um. You know, obviously, I think more at the time when we were probably closer looking back at it, we're probably like, you know, obviously, uh, the game itself, I don't know if we could have done much more except finish our chances. Mm. You know, we we played, you know, the obviously not the best, but we played our heart out. Um, and if we finished the chances we had, you know, it would have been a different story. Um, so as for the field, no, I don't, I, mean, I don't think there was much more that we could have done mm. besides be perfect. How how do you look at that medal now? What do you think when you when you look at that silver medal? Um, well, every time I talk about it, it <clears throat> it's the prettiest medal I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the silver and the blue ribbon really look good together, but it, like it is the most painful. And I tell the story about it a lot. And I think the biggest part of it for me um, is when we were up there. You know, as as a teammate you you know you want you don't want to let your teams down and then as you know a child or a sister of family you, you don't want to let your your family down and in that game after we lost my parents were there and it took me forever to look over to the family section like we're that we had the podium up there and that we were standing up there and I was like oh I don't want to look over there because I don't want to let my parents down because we lost mm. and every time I talk about this I get so choked up it's so funny but uh, uh but the thing was, when I finally looked over there, they were so proud. Mm. And if, for me, I love telling the story to kids because it doesn't matter if you win or lose. I mean, it, ma it, it matters, but it doesn't. Like, your parents are going to still love you. The sun's still going to come out. The birds are going to sing, you know, <clears throat> and life's going to go on. Yeah. Um, so you just have to remember that and remember the pain and try to just make sure it's smiles the next time you, you play a game because it's going to happen in life there's going to be so many ups and downs mm. um you just you don't know when it's going to happen and you hope it doesn't happen as frequently the downs as the ups mm. 
and your career ended up having a lot more ups and downs. So. Yeah, I was pretty. I was happy about that. Yeah, so I was. Pretty, I've been pretty fortunate, and um, play with some great people that have helped that happen. You played part of your club career in Sweden. What was that like? You know, it was great. I'm not such a a traveler per se. I, I'm a homebody. I'd rather be in. Uh, in my home comfort zone, I'm a big comfort person. So it was a little bit uh, outside my comfort zone to do that, which I'm glad I did. Um, I was only over there for a short period of time, but it was great. Uh, I was over there in 93 for just a short time. Then I went back in 05. And uh, when I went back in 05, I went to play for Pia. She was coaching the, the Boston Breakers in our pro league, and then she went back over there when that ended. So I wanted to go there. And I basically, after that, I don't know how many months I was there, I was so technically sound because we did technical work in the morning and then we waited for the other players to have practice in the afternoon. Um, and it was really great. It was great to be in another culture. It was great to see how they train. Um, and I'm glad I did it and uh, had that opportunity. Mm, fantastic. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Was there anything you you learned from their training there which you uh, weren't doing in the States? But it sounds like you're doing more more technical stuff. Yeah, the technical, just because we had a smaller numbers in the morning. And then it was just, a, I mean, their mentality was just a little bit different than the U.S. Um, but they all were strong, very strong players on the ball. And that's something I really, um, you knew playing against them, but then being around a lot of the, the game in Sweden, it was just really more of a long ball game at the time. I mean, obviously that's changed a little bit. Um but it was fun. It's a great experience uh, to try another culture and see what it's like. Mm. What about when you traveled to, to different countries for tournaments? How, how did you adjust to that? Um, it was good. I mean, when I was traveling with the, the national team, it was easy because you had your buddies around. You know, you weren't mm. alone and all that. So that was not bad. And you got to experience some of the culture. I mean, a lot of times everyone's like, oh, you got to go here and there. I'm like, yeah, we did. But we didn't get to travel as much because we were focused on our game. So it wasn't like we were sightseeing every day, but we did get opportunities to see things and um, see how other parts of the world live. And that for me opened my eyes and um, this was just experience that I'd never imagined. Mm. How would you relax in between games during tournaments? What, what type of things would you do? Um, well, back in the day we uh, read books <laughs> <laughs> We had DVD players, and we had to bring all these DVDs. Um, we played games, to, that one for walks, um, you know, just play. We were interacting with each other um, back in the early days, and then obviously cell phones came to use in computers, and everyone got a little bit more private, not private, but individual mm. in their downtime sometimes. Um, I have to say I liked it better when it was we didn't have anything, and mm. you just kind of read books and with your teammates and doing stuff. Have you got a book you'd recommend, Christine? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm reading one right now called The Lilac Sisters. And it's about World War II and Germany and France and uh, just what all happened during that time. And I'm not, I, it's, a, it's a great book. It's not really a happy book. Uh, it's amazing what people had to go through in that time period. Um, but. But also, I read the book Unbroken, which is along the World War II lines as well. I don't know if you've read that book. No, I haven't. Uh, it's the the pilot, um, Louis Zepparini. He, he just died recently, and he was a pilot, and he got captured, and just all the stuff that they – it's just amazing. 
mm. you know, the will of people, um, what they had to go through just to stay, stay alive. And I'm not a huge World War II person. I just happen to read these books. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not a bit of a history buff. No, I'm not. I, I, I wish I was, but I, I, I'm intrigued by some of that. More I'm intrigued by the strength of the human body and mind than anything. Mm. And that's what we try and do on this podcast every week, try and find out what makes amazing champions such mm-hmm. as yourself. And I think that's that's a good thing for, for my next question because mm-hmm. you did play was it, it was 354 times for the United States. Mm-hmm. You had a really long career. What do you think you were kind of doing to keep such a, a long career going oh, I don't know I mean my grandmother lived to be 92 she had great genes I mean she walked everywhere she never had a driver's license so maybe I had a little bit of that stamina from her um, you know I, I think mentally my mental part of my my mindset is pretty strong um, not necessarily the, the ebb and flow of confidence but like to push through things um, I was always pretty fit, and I think that helped me have a longer career. Um, and then I enjoyed it. I enjoyed what I did. I enjoyed playing soccer. I enjoyed the people I, I was playing with. Um, you know, and at the time when my, my buddies were retiring, you know, they were going to move on with their lives. They were all married at the time. I wasn't married, so I was like, well, I'm not, what am I going to do if I retire? <laughs> so I wasn't ready. I wasn't at that point. Um, and that's when I met my husband. So he got to, you know, share with me the last, um, six years of my career. Um, so that was nice to have him a part of that. Fantastic. And when you finally did decide to retire, what was the motivation and and how difficult was it? Um, it was hard. It was right after qualification. So we just qualified for the next world cup. 11 was 11. I can't keep track. No, 10. No, 11. 11, yeah. 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 Um, and we just had finished qualifiers, and I had just come back. I had a, I had a child, and I played – I had a child in 08, so I missed the Olympics in 08. And then I came back, and I played in the Pro League in 2009 and 10. And the 2010 season is when Pia, the head coach of the U.S. team at the time, you know, asked me to come back in. And I was like, all right. Um, so, obviously – no, never really turned down an opportunity to represent your country. I went back in. That's where the ebb and flow of the confidence was up and down because I had been out of the, the loop with the team a bit. Um, and I wasn't playing very much. And uh, and then we went through qualifiers. And after qualifiers, um, my husband and I were deciding I'm having you know more children. And this time I was 40. So I was like, okay, I can't I can't hold off having kids. So I'm like, all right, let's see if I if we we if we're fortunate to get pregnant then we have a child and then life goes on Mm. if we don't then i'll just keep playing well i got pregnant so that was kind of a part of it and i also was tired i was tired um i loved playing but i was the training makes it hard Mm. um like i I, if i could just play in games and be fit i was like oh this is great but (laughs) it was really the the training um that made it hard and i love taking my my oldest daughter with me on trips and all that having her part of it but it just got a little bit tiring mm. and I was like oh, I just can't do this again um so then I decided to retire and it, it was it was hard um but I think for me the transition of being pregnant helped a lot of us athletes we suddenly stopped something and then they were like oh my gosh what am I gonna do now yeah 
Um, so being pregnant, I think, helped me have a little bit of a transition. I'd be like, well, I can't do anything now because I'm pregnant, so that's great. <laughs> uh, so, but it was time, and and I wouldn't change, you know, anything about it. And do you have two future soccer stars in your household now? <laughs> I got two young girls. Yes, they both are playing the game. Um, and uh, my oldest is 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 doing well, and my youngest is just getting her feet wetted. So they they seem to enjoy it and. If they like it, great. If not, um, I'm okay with that too. Yeah, as long as they enjoy the oranges, that's the most. Yeah, that's thing. right. I gotta get the younger one getting into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christine, thank you so much for your time today. Really enjoyed speaking to you. Before you go, can you let us know where we can continue to follow your journey online or on social media? Please? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm at Twitter at Christine Lilly. Um, I have a website, ChristineLilly13.com. And um, I also continue to do camps in, um, with some former teammates, Mia Ham, and they're called the Team First Soccer Academy. And we travel all around the country, uh, United States, teaching kids. So if anyone wants to see a visit of us, um, just reach out to teamfirstsocceracademy.com and we could come to your area. <laughs> for for me, it, that's learning from the very best. So I think anyone who's interested in soccer should get on that camp because that, that sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, Christine, thank you for being on the podcast and thank you for being the best in the world. Uh, thank you so much for having me. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Awesome chat there with Christine. And I just realised she is our first footballer or soccer player, depending on which part of the world you're from, who has been on The Best in the World with Richard Parr. And normally if I've had a guest on the programme in a sport that we've had before, I might recommend you go back and listen to some other sports. But as Christine is the first, I thought I'd quickly have a reminder of some of the interviews I've done and pick out some of my favourites, which I think you would really appreciate listening to. Ones I'd really highly recommend, and this is going to be a really long list. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking to Joe Jacoby, Chad Hedrick, Gretchen Blyler, Stephanie Rice, Natalie Coughlin, Katarina Stefanidi. There's many, many others. Rebecca Sony, Misty Hyman. Uh, there are some really, really good ones. One of the earliest ones, David Campisi. I'd recommend all of them. And I'm not going to be here naming all 97 episodes, but those are some of the real standout ones. So if you go and look at the list of the previous episodes on acast.com forward slash best on iTunes or at sportachino.com, if you see any of those which I've just mentioned, definitely click, definitely play, definitely listen because you can learn from them. Trust me, they're really good interviews. All right, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode with Christine Lilly. Have a wonderful new year. And guess what? I'll speak to you again in 2018. Goodbye for now. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money. 